Well, Happy New Year. Uh, I can't think of a better way to start a brand new year uh, than celebrating with Dan the symbol of what it means to walk in new life. And so it's a great, already been a good day to be together with you. Um, I don't know, how many of you have some uh, particular dishes or meals that you either like to fix or eat on New Year's Day. Do we have anybody out there that eats black-eyed peas and collard greens on New Year's? We've got a lot of Southerners in the room, okay, a lot of Southerners. I, I, I'm not originally from the South. I got here as fast as I could. Um, but anybody out there, pork and sauerkraut? Do I have any pork and sauerkraut? A few of you, okay. Yeah, that's right. We do pork and sauerkraut up north. I'm not sure how these traditions get started, but they do, and uh, they sort of stick around. Now, we don't eat pork and sauerkraut in the Weber house because my wife was born south of the Mason-Dixon line, but we don't eat black-eyed peas and collard greens either. So um, we've sort of, we sort of compromised in the middle, which was we don't do either tradition. Uh, but we do, we do enjoy the holidays. I hope you had a great time with family and friends, enjoyed some extra time off maybe uh, to just uh, reflect and, and maybe recharge after a busy season and are ready for a a brand new year. Uh, One more question for you. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? How many of you made New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody? Anybody out there New Year's resolutions? Okay, some of you. Some of you. Uh, It's interesting. There's been kind of an interesting study going on for the last few years about New Year's resolutions. And what people are discovering, what polls are showing, is that the older you are, the less likely you are to make New Year's resolutions. The younger and more optimistic and less calloused and jaded you are, the more likely you are to make New Year's resolutions. So I thought that was interesting that one of the things the research said or the poll said is that the people who don't make New Year's resolutions have learned over time that it doesn't matter because they're not going to keep them anyway. That's what they've, they've just practiced and rehearsed that so many times that they just know why bother going through all the trouble, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fall off the wagon by the end of January, I'm going to, you know, whatever it's going to be. I'm going to tell on my wife, she made a New Year's resolution to drink water and not to drink. So, so she was not going to drink, you know, sweet tea anymore or anything. So um, by, by the night, New Year's Day night, she'd confessed to me that she'd already had, you know, some tea and lemonade that day. But so out the window, there it goes. But, but, but here's, here's one of the things that is really important for us to know as Christians. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know, the core of what we believe as Christians is the possibility of something new, right? I mean, we, we, we at the core believe that transformation and change is possible. We believe that regardless of how hard it is, regardless of even if it's impossible, that God can transform and make all things new, and that includes us. That's why we do what we do with baptism. It's nothing magical about it. It's symbolic of being buried with Christ and raised to walk in a new life, a new beginning. We, We believe that it is essential, in fact, that the Bible teaches us that if we want to have peace with God, if we want to have an eternal life secure in God's presence, we have to be born again. We have to start over. We have to begin again. So we as Christians believe that change, new beginnings are essential. They're core to the Christian faith. They're core to the Christian teaching to what we believe. But not only do we believe are they necessary, we also believe they are possible. No matter how jaded we may become by the failure to keep New Year's resolutions in the past, change is possible. It is possible for us to walk in a new life. Eddie read for us a passage earlier 
in our service just a few minutes ago that came from 2 Corinthians. And I'd like for us to turn back to that passage of Scripture. It's going to be the passage we're going to look at today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21, as we just take a look at what it means to begin again, to start over. Because here's what's true for, for most of us in the room, maybe not for everybody, but for most of us, there is some area in our life where we would like a do-over. We would like to begin again. We would like a fresh start. Maybe it has to do with relationships. Maybe it has to do with finances. Uh, maybe for you, there is some, there's something in your past that you just can't seem to shed the regret, the guilt, the shame from it, and you would like a do-over in that area of your life. For some of you, maybe it's habits, destructive or maybe the, not even destructive habits that you just think, I wish I could shed this. And as Christians, we do believe that Jesus makes all things new and that he begins that work inside of each one of us. But it doesn't stay there. Because after he does a new work inside of us, he invites us to join him in his mission of making all things new. So what I'd like to share with you today from 2 Corinthians 5 are three things that I believe God is inviting you to make new in 2019. Three things that God's inviting you to make new in 2019. And the first thing is this. He's inviting you to have a new perspective. A brand new perspective. Look at what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. For from now on, now what does that mean? That means it wasn't that way before. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Okay, so you already see what he's saying, that Paul is saying, we are making a change in the way we are thinking. We are making a change in our perspective. We used to view people one way. We used to view Jesus one way. And because we now see Jesus in a different light, we are also going to see other people in a different light. Therefore, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, what's the phrase? New creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Now, we could camp out on just that verse for a long time, because somewhere deep inside of our heart, there is a longing for that to be made real. We can know it's true here, but there's a deep desire to say, I know what it says in the Bible, but can you really take away the old and replace it and make something new? Can Jesus really do that? And I think the answer is absolutely he can. We, we see testimonies of it through the Bible. There are testimonies of it in the lives of people who are sitting all around you here today. That he absolutely can do away with the old and make things new. And the first way I think he's inviting us to do that is by having a new perspective. By taking on a new perspective. That we see myself, I see myself, I see other people, and I see situations for what they can be in Jesus Christ. Not for what they are, and not for what they have been, but for what they can be in Jesus. So let's start with ourself. Can I be new in Jesus Christ? What kind of a perspective, per, change of perspective do I need in my own life? Well, the first thing I would suggest that you do in 2019 is stop lying to yourself. Nobody lies to you better and more often than you lie to you. That's just true. Because here's what is true about you. You know how best to deceive yourself. You know how to deceive yourself better than anybody else knows how to deceive themselves. 
And so you just keep rehearsing and telling yourself the same lies over and over and over again until they become so unconscious to you that you are living your life making decisions from lies. And these lies that are coming to your head aren't just lies that you're thinking up on your own. They're lies that are being put there by the world. They're lies that are being put there by the enemy. They're lies that may have been put there by other people who have reinforced lies to you over and over again. There may even be lies that you believe about yourself that have been put there by people who do what I do. But the, the truth of the matter is that we have to have a new perspective and see things not from what we believe is true, but from what God says is true in his word. And here's what is true about you. Change is possible for you. It is absolutely possible. But here's the lie you'll tell yourself. I can never change. I'll never stop drinking. I'll never have a good relationship with him. I'll never have, my relationship with her will never be any better than it is today. My marriage has seen its best days. They've come and gone. I will never get out of debt. My kids will never change. My parents will never change. My spouse will never change. And the truth is, they might not. But the question is, are you, willing to view this, are you willing to view yourself through the lens of God's truth and how God sees you? And ask him, how can I be made new? Not how can they be made new, but how can I be made new? And how can you affect a change in my life? How can you affect a change in me that will have an impact in the lives of the people that you've placed around me. You need a new perspective on yourself. The second thing you need is a new perspective on other people. Notice what Paul says. People who are in Christ are new creations. New creations. Now, now here's what we like to think. Somebody comes to faith in Jesus, and then there's this dramatic and drastic change of behavior that happens the next day. Like this. There it is. And they're totally new. Now, all of you, maybe some of you have heard stories like that. Maybe some of you have stories, have a testimony like that yourself. Where you come to faith in Christ and there's such a radical change that happens. Everybody recognizes it. Everybody knows it. And you are made new instantly. If that is your story, cherish it and treasure it because that is not the normal story. Here's what we want to happen. We want our faith in Jesus to be made in a microwave. When in fact, your faith in Jesus is often prepared in a crock pot. And it takes a lifetime. But God is working and he's making you new. Not just one time in an instant, but day after day after day after day, he's making you new. And so when you look at other people, if they are in Christ, what you have to do to, what you have, the perspective you need to take on yourself is they are being made new in Christ. They're not where they need to be yet, but by God's grace, step by step, day by day, God is doing a transforming work inside of them. You need a new perspective on the other people who God has placed in your life. You need to see them the way Jesus sees them. Work in progress and know they're not They're not where they need to be. They're not where you want them to be. But God is still working. And so we don't regard anybody according to the flesh, Paul says. It's not just people who are Christians. But look what he says. He says not just followers of Jesus. We regard no one according to the flesh. Now isn't that interesting? He he recognizes that in Christ, everybody is being made new. But Paul says even if they're not in Christ, we are still not regarding them according to the flesh. Because 
people who are not yet in Christ are not the enemy, they're the mission. And so what we're called to do as believers, as followers of Jesus, is to speak the possibility into people's lives. Just to speak the hope into their life of what they can be, could be, should be in Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. There's an author I like. Maybe some of you have read his his work. His name is Don Miller. And uh, he he has been a famous writer for some time. And he was a single guy, was a single guy for most of his life. And um, had just told himself that he was always going to be single. That there was no woman in the world who'd ever want to live with him or be married to him. He was just a, a hot mess. And, you know, so he just, he wasn't good at relationships. What he kept telling us, I'm just not good at relationships. This is just who I am. It's how God made me. I'm just going to be single the rest of my life. He had a friend who uh, began to communicate with him on a regular basis. And he said, this friend, every time he'd finish a conversation, an email, he'd finish a phone conversation, this friend would always say to him, Don, you're really good at relationships. And Don Miller said, the first time I heard it, I laughed out loud. I thought, he does no idea. I'm terrible at relationships. But this guy kept saying it. He kept saying, Don, you're so good at relationships. Do you know what your relationship means to me? Don, do you, do you know that time you did this for that person? I mean, Don, you're so good at relationships. And this friend just kept telling him over and over again, Don, you are good at relationships. Pretty soon, you know what Don Miller did? He started believing. I'm pretty good at relationships. He was married by the end of the year. <laughs> now, if, for those of you who are single, that might work. I'm not saying it's going to work for you, but... If that's, if that's your New Year's resolution, you might want to talk to some other people in the room, make sure it's a good one. But nonetheless, he, here's the truth. Here's the truth. You as a Christ follower, if you will change your perspective on other people and you will see the fact that God could do something new, not just inside of you, but God can and is doing something new inside of them, then you join God in what he's doing and you speak truth into their life even when they don't see the truth. You speak opportunity, you speak encouragement, you speak hope, you speak newness into their life. You have the power to do that. But it starts with you changing your perspective. You have to change your perspective, not just on yourself, but on other people. And see them as you are, as a work in progress. Something that God is working on. And the third thing I think we have to have a new perspective on is our situations. Situations. A science writer by the name of Chris Burdick says this, Our real world is in many ways an expected world. Our minds organize chaos. We fill in the blanks with well-learned forms, patterns, and assumptions. Our predictions for the near and distant future bend reality. Let me tell you what Chris is saying. That when you go into a situation or a circumstance and you have already decided how it's going to go, there is a good chance that you will bend reality toward what you've already determined to be true. So if you go into a situation, let's just stick with the, the marriage relationship. If you go into a situation believing that there's no hope for your marriage... Believing that there's no hope that you can ever have a different perspective, no hope that that person will ever change, if you go into the relationship that way, there's a good possibility that you will bend the future towards the reality that you've presupposed to be true. That's what Chris is saying. And here's here's what's so interesting about this, what I find so fascinating, is that we see this true in human history. Because the people who decide that they're going to see a different reality in the future are the people we write about in history books. Let me give you an example of one from not too distant, not, or not too distant past. Martin Luther King 
looked at the situation in the United States with segregation and said, this should not be this way. And so he stood up in Washington, D.C. in front of a mass of people and said, I have a dream. And he began to cast an idea for what the future could and should be, not how it was. He wasn't bogged or locked into the present reality. He wasn't bitter or ensnared by the past. Instead, he chose to have a new perspective on what the future could be. He had a new perspective on the situation. And of course, today we recognize he bent reality towards that outcome by simply seeing the perspective, something that I believe God had placed inside of his heart. And as he began to talk about that, as he began to live that out, it became a reality step by step and day by day. So, so here's, here's my question for you. Is there a lie that you are believing about yourself, about other people, about a situation? Something that you have just accepted to be true when in fact, maybe it's not. Students, maybe you're not terrible at chemistry. I was terrible at chemistry. But, but maybe, maybe that teacher that you're having such a hard time with, maybe he or she's not the enemy. Maybe that boss that you're having who's so difficult, maybe, maybe he's not the problem. Maybe she's not as bad as you think she is. What about that impossible situation in your family life? And you think this situation will never, ever change. What if you just for a moment stop deciding what God can and can't do and said, God, this is in your hands and nothing is impossible with you? What if, what if instead of predetermining how the situation was going to come out, instead of playing out the argument in your head before you have it? Come on, I know some of you do that. What if instead of doing that, what, what if instead you just went to the Lord and said, Lord, I need your perspective on him, on her, on this situation, on the circumstances. I don't want my old broken perspective, but is there a lie that you are accepting as true? Is there a person in your life that you need to see through the lens of the gospel? Is there somebody that you've given up on? Come on now. Is there somebody you've given up on and you've written them off? Because let me ask you this. If you've given up on them and you've said it's impossible, aren't you glad that God didn't do that to you? Come on. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The situation did not look good. Our track record was not good. And yet God's belief in something better for us became a reality as he sent Christ to die for our sins. And in him, we have the opportunity to have new life. Is there somebody that you've given up on that you need to instead have the perspective of God on their life and see the possibility in the situation that nothing is impossible with him? Is there a situation that you need to reframe in your mind and begin to think about from a diff different perspective? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, something really practical, okay? I know it's a sermon, and I'm already giving you something practical. What, what's going on? It's a new year. You never know what's going to happen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list, okay? There's pins all around you. There's a bulletin. You go ahead and start it right now. Here's what it's going to look like. I'll give you some examples. One column is going to be the lie you believe, okay? The other column is going to be the truth you need to accept. And now this is going to be something that's going to take you time, 
all right? Which means you're going to have to set aside time, maybe in a daily quiet time, a time of prayer, time of scripture reading, where you can invite the Lord to reveal to you what are the lies I'm believing, and then what is the truth that God is inviting you to embrace. Let me give you some examples. The first example is this. I will always be in debt. I will always be in debt. And you've given up making a New Year's resolution about trying to get out of debt because you've just accepted the lie that you're always going to be in debt. But here's the truth you need to accept. That my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. Doesn't say he's going to supply all your wants. He's going to supply all your needs. Do you believe? Do you believe that God can make a difference in, your, in the area of your finances? What about this one? My marriage is a lost cause. And then maybe you counterbalance that with the truth that God, who reconciled us to himself, can save my marriage. That if God can reconcile me to him, then he can reconcile her to me, or him to me. So so I just want to invite you to take some time and evaluate your perspective. Invite God to reveal the lies you're believing, and then invite him to give you a truth that you can replace that with. Change is only impossible if you believe it's impossible. But if you have faith in the God of the Bible, then you have to accept that nothing is impossible with God, including the change that he wants to bring about in your life, in your marriage, in the people around you, in the situations and circumstances that look impossible right now. God can do something fantastic. The second thing I believe this passage invites us to have new in 2019 is a new attitude. A new attitude. Listen to what he says in verse 18. All this, what's all this? All this is this whole idea that there is now, there, that everyone is made new in Christ, that we are all, uh, the old has passed and the new has come. All this is from God. In other words, listen, it's not, don't, please don't hear me say that if you work hard enough and try hard enough, you can, you can change your circumstances. That's not true at all. All this is from God. He's the one doing it, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. The new attitude begins with an attitude of gratitude, that you have to remember what Christ has done for you. Look how he ends the passage in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And this should change your attitude about everything. Remember what he's done for you. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2. This is from uh, the message. Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 13. But don't take any of this for granted. Don't take any of what for granted? Well, any of this. Any of the opportunity you have to be made new. Any of the blessings you have in Christ. The fact that we are sitting here together today... Uh, In 2019, when there are people, Christians in the world, who probably love Jesus a lot more than we do, who are hiding in dark rooms to worship. I mean, who who are very likely going to give their lives up because of their commitment to follow after him regardless of what politicians say. But don't take any of this, life in Christ, newness in Christ, don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God, God's way had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way of God works, 
hadn't the faintest idea of Christ, you knew nothing about that rich history of God's covenant and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large, now, because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you, who were once out of it altogether, are in on everything. That's good news. That you who were on the outside have been let in. Now, I don't know how many of you got to sit at the cool kid table in the lunchroom. Just from the looks of it, not very many of you. <laughs> but, but for those of us who, who didn't sit at the cool kid table, do you remember what it was like to look at the cool kid table? Like, oh, what would it be like if I were on the inside? Do you know what Paul's saying? Because of what Christ has done for you, you've got a seat at the table. You've been included. Not because you were cool, but because of what Jesus has done for you by making space for you, by opening up an opportunity to say, come over here, join the table, be a part of what I'm doing. You don't have to be on the outside looking in. You can have a front row seat. You can be involved. And and all of this has an effect on our attitude. If we understand that we were once on the outside, and now we are on the inside, not because of what we've done, but because of his grace, that will change the perspective. Suddenly, you will have a lot more compassion for outsiders. Why? Because you will remember that you were an outsider. And but by the grace of God, you should still be an outsider. By the grace of God, you should still be on the outside looking in wanting to be included, wanting, longing to be adopted into the family. And it should change your perspective. You should be living a life so overflowing with gratitude. Your attitude should be shaped and formed by the gratitude in your heart of what Christ has done for you. And when he gets a hold of you, when you remember where you were and where he has brought you, it cannot help but bring about mercy and compassion in your life when you look at the situation that other people are in. You will be moved with compassion towards them, but it begins with a change in your attitude. The third thing I believe that Paul is inviting us to make new in 2019 is to accept a new calling. A new calling. Look what, look what he says in verse 18 and 19. And Jesus gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, this is where it it, it brings it full circle. You see, this is what brings us right back to the beginning about a new attitude about other people and a new attitude about situations. That we recognize that what Christ has done in our lives, the fact that he's invited us to join him at the table, is also an invitation for us to make room to invite other people to come to the table. He just didn't invite you to the table so you could come and sit there in pride and arrogance and enjoy the benefit that God has. He invited you to the table so that you could look back on the people who are in a similar situation to you and that you might also invite them in. God invites us to join him in his mission to make all things new. That that as we have been reconciled in Christ, so we join 
God in the work that he's doing. Let me ask you a question, because in 2019, maybe part of it, part of that new perspective is just being more observant about what God is doing already around you. That God is already at work in your school. He's already at work in your office place. He's already at work in your home. He's already at work in your neighborhood. So the question is, where do you see God working already? And how is he equipping you to join him in that work? Is it in the life of somebody that you see? Somebody who's beginning to ask spiritual questions? Somebody who's going through a life crisis of their own? Their marriage is in trouble? They're having financial trouble? Is there the possibility that what they see as a problem, as a catastrophe, as a disastrous situation, may be evidence that God is just about to do something new in their life or in your life? How can you join God in what he's already doing? Because here's what's important. A failure to believe that God can change someone else means one of two things. It means that you have failed to appreciate what he's done for you, or it's an acknowledgement that you still haven't been changed, that you are unchanged, and therefore you don't see the possibility of anybody else changing either. And so what I want to encourage you to do this year, 2019, is we look at this passage, and, and it's, a, it's a familiar passage, this idea that Christ makes all things new. That's nothing new. If you've been in church any length of time, you, you just almost expect that kind of message on the first Sunday of the new year. But here's why it should be different than any other year. Because from here, I want to encourage you to go to the Lord and ask him to reveal to you how you need to change your perspective. How you need to align your perspective on people, on yourself, on situations with the truth of God's word in 2019. Stop believing the lies and begin to accept the truth of God's word as it lives, as it is lived out in your life, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your relationships. I want to, he wants to give you a new perspective. He also wants to give you a new attitude. An attitude of gratitude. I, I, think, I think this attitude is best, um, best demonstrated and worked out uh, as we gather together as people who have been made new to worship. One of the reasons I think you ought to make corporate worship a priority, and if you can do it in flesh and blood on site, you ought to do that. If not, you can join us online, but, but you ought to try to join us because we need, we need to have an attitude adjustment at least once a week, right? And I think worship does that for us. I think worship makes a difference. It reminds me of the story of the woman who had uh, been healed by Jesus and, and Jesus is having a, a meal with an influential person, and this woman busts into the meal, and she begins, to, she begins to wash Jesus' feet and to weep on his feet and wipe his feet with her hair. And she's just making a real embarrassment of herself. And Jesus says, when the host tries to stop her, he says, don't stop her. Because the person who loves much has been forgiven much. And because she has been forgiven so much, that's why she's pouring out her love on me like this. Listen, we ought to be clamoring to come together to declare all the things that God has done in our lives and to worship him fully. That's part of the attitude we, we need to adopt. We, we need to be involved in small groups where we can encourage other people, speak new perspectives, speak truth into their life when they're believing a lie. It's why you, you need to be involved in a small group. You can be involved in a small group on Sunday mornings at 9.30. You can be in a small group through the week. Maybe you start one in your home or in your office. 
But, but we need to do this together. A new perspective, a new attitude. And finally, accept the calling that God has for you in 2019. Listen, God doesn't just call people who get a paycheck from a church or a ministry nonprofit organization. He's called every one of you. If you are following Jesus, you have been called by him to do something. Maybe 2019 is the year you figure out what that is. And it begins by looking around saying, where is God working? How can I join him in the work that he's already doing? A new perspective, a new attitude, and a new calling. I want to invite you this year to be made new. You say, well, I've already a Christian. Yeah, I know. Every day. Be made new every day. Wake up every day with the determination that you are going to get yourself back up on the altar as a living sacrifice to be used by God for his glory, for his purpose, whatever it is. Every day, that should be the first prayer of our heart. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, use me. Lord, give me your perspective. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, can I just tell you all the New Year's resolutions, all the self-help books, all the effort you put in to making yourself new will never do what Jesus can do in your life. You can't do it on your own. He is making all things new. He's inviting you to allow him to do that work in you. Maybe you would start the new year off and accept his invitation to be made new. I'm going to invite the band to come up and receive our offering or to play for us as we sing another song. And as they're on their way up, I just want to invite you this morning. Uh, maybe in a time of commitment, you would come and pray with me, with others, pray at these steps. Maybe for you, just on your commitment card, the communication card that Ron and Lisa spoke about earlier, maybe you would just mark on there that you want to speak with somebody about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you, you want to talk about being baptized or you want to talk about being a member of the church. You can mark that on the card and place that in the offering in just a few minutes, but we want to have a time of reflection. Maybe for some of you, it's just a recommitment of your life in the new year to say, I'm going to commit myself to remaining a, a vessel that God makes new and renews every day in 2019. I'm going to invite you to stand together as we pray and then as we sing. Father, we um, stand on the first Sunday of a brand new year. And Lord, it is, uh, it's, it's by your mercy and your grace that we're here. Lord, I, I recognize that uh, we can never know what any year holds and the challenges, the opportunities, the victories and the failures that are inevitably before us. But Lord, you know every one of them. And so Lord, as we come, as individuals and as a church, we just commit ourselves, God, to being more committed to being made new every day, maybe even every hour, moment by moment. Lord, will you continue to do a new work inside of me, inside of us, inside of your church? Lord, that we might reject the lies that we have held on to, that you would reveal to us your truth and that we might run towards the truth knowing that anytime we run toward the truth, we're running towards you. Lord, help us to have a new perspective on other people. Help us to have your perspective. That when you would look at us while we were still sinners, you would see 
the worth and the value and you would give your life Lord may we be that kind of people who speak possibility and hope into the lives of others because we follow a God who makes all things new and Lord would you help us help us to hear your calling and to accept a new calling to join you as ambassadors of the gospel to join you in the great work of making all things new. Lord, we ask this. We ask this, knowing, Lord, that we're asking according to your will. We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, 